You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. I am your host, Chaplain Paul Buckner. I'm from the American Midwest, and uh, I wanted to talk to you guys today a bit about uh, perspective and how it can help us to put a frame around, a bracket around, and, and understand a tragedy. And so we, we've lost a loved one. We've lost someone at our department, tragically. Several years ago in, in my area, we lost an officer. Uh, he was headed at speed. Uh, to a call, and because of the hilly nature uh, that he was driving through, um, a vehicle pulled out that could not see him coming, and he could not see them, and as he came over a rise doing his duty, headed to a call, um, he impacted this vehicle, and his life was lost, and it's one of those tragedies that's very hard to get, to wrap our minds around, and I liken it to like searching a room in the dark. Um, those of you in law enforcement have done this. Um, you're trying not to trip over things and you're wondering why would somebody put something like that here? Um, I had an officer tell me years ago that he was clearing, I believe he said it was a grocery store and alarm call had gone off, door was open. He goes in, he's clearing the, the building. He goes down a flight of stairs and comes face to face with a person standing at the bottom of the stairs. He, he's got his weapon um, you know, drawn and trained on them and realizes it's a mannequin. And he's like, why would somebody put that right there? It was literally like five or six feet just past the bottom of the stairs. And I'm thinking probably for that very reason, they were trying to spook a potential burglar. But um, it, when you're trying to wrap your mind around a tragedy, um, to me, it feels a lot like searching a room, you know, in a really black, pitch black environment with your flashlight. You can only see certain amounts of it at a time. And you're trying to find the the edges. Um, another way I think about it is when you are you're trying to discover your feelings about something and really understand them and actually and actually figure it out enough that you can cope with it. It reminds me of playing the video games like the the real time strategy games where they had a fog of war. And you can't see the map until it's explored. I know there's some first-person shooters that do that too. So back from my gaming days, maybe this will have application to what we're talking about. But if you've got a fog of war over the map and you have to explore the map to be able to see what's there, um, to me it's very, very similar. So uh, using that as another analogy, a lot of times as guys, it's hard for us uh, to stop and go, this is why I feel this way. And this is what is making me feel this way. This is what I'm even feeling. So um, dealing with a tragedy, um, and I've had some interesting things happen recently in regards to the law enforcement departments I chaplain. Recently, uh, someone tried to murder one of the officers that I chaplain. And I've, I've talked to him. I'm going to continue to talk to him. Um, his department has just cleared him to go back to duty. Um, they've got some continuing processes for him. But this is a very real thing. And I, I prayerfully try to offer things to help. Um, you know, I feel like I've got a big mouth and maybe sometimes I stick my foot in my mouth more than I help, but I really do try to be there and help. And so less than a year ago, this gentleman uh, was in, in the fight of his life uh, up until recently. <laughs> and uh, two people high on methamphetamine literally just beat the brakes off of him. And he he gave as good as he got. He wasn't on the ground, you know, not giving back. And this guy can fight. And it was a, a very surreal situation for him to be in because he's used to, with his fighting background, being able to take people out. And he was hurting them, but he couldn't 
um, he couldn't get them, you know, he couldn't get them on the ground. He couldn't get a TKO or whatever dealing with the situation the way it was. He ended up having to hold him at gunpoint and backup arrived. He won. Well, I talk a lot about 2% shifts. As a matter of fact, behind me up here on the wall, if you're watching the podcast right there, there is a compass hanging. And that reminds me of 2% shifts that if we're doing land nav, if we're going across and, and, and tracking, this is north. And then we realize that we're veering off course. That's a very real thing just in life. I mean, I have to do, I have to do weekly and sometimes daily course corrections. It can be, you know, have a helps with the laundry. Is the trash taken out? Those are 2% shifts. Those are very minor ones, but those are 2% shifts. Um, happy spouse, happy house. If I can help with those little things, it helps take stress off my wife. And it's even been proven scientifically that women can smell certain kinds of bacteria that a guy can't or has trouble smelling. I think it's something God put in them. It makes sense. Women are the ones who bear children. And a lot of young children, that bacteria could be harmful to them. It kind of makes sense that uh, my wife could walk in the front door of our house and go, um, you need to take the trash out. And I couldn't smell anything. And oddly enough, right now, at the Beside the Badge Studios, I discovered there is a mouse that has died somewhere. I come down this morning to my basement where I have my setup for the podcast. And I discover that there's a dead mouse. So some, there's there's a, a stench. I'm going to have to find this thing. That is, that is one of those little 2% shifts that happy spouse, happy house. Well, now let's take that over to tragedy, to horrible things that happen, how we can put a bracket around it. And I don't mean cover it up. I don't mean push it down. I don't mean suppress it. I don't mean drink ourselves into a stupor um, and take sleeping pills. If, you know, I mean, can we stop and put a perspective around this and, and realize, shine a light on it as it were, and realize I want, I came out of this okay, or, or whatever that looks like. And so I was talking to this officer and, and he's, he's like a brother to me. I love this guy. And we were talking at length about his situation. The first time that this happened, I was really concerned. He had not been on the job very long. He's actually not been a cop a year yet. And he's level-headed. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He doesn't get riled too easily. Um, he can fight when he needs to, but he knows that his mouth's a better tool than his taser. I mean, I, I love seeing this guy in action and I didn't want to lose him. And so um, I really thought about it and, and I decided to have a picture made and it's a, it's a, uh, cartoon style picture. You might remember these. I'm dating myself a little but Back in the eighties, you would see these a lot where it was like at a car dealership or, or you'd go to the mall somewhere and people would be doing these. You'd go to a fair or something, but they would draw these cartoon style pictures. And maybe you worked in an office and, and like wizardry, like around you with your oversized head, you had wizard robes on and you're this IT guy and, and computers are spinning around you or it shows a garage and the guy's using a hammer to work on a car. And it was very, very computerized or very computerized, very stylized. The, the body was smaller than the head and it was exaggerated. And there was one years ago, a friend of mine um, had a tire shop and somebody had done one for him. And it shows him driving down the road and he's throwing nails behind him out of his vehicle uh, onto the highway and just just things like that. So I got a hold of uh, a young lady who's very talented and uh, is in my family circle. And I said, hey, what do you think about making me one of these drawings? And she did a masterful job. And it shows this gentleman standing. It happened in a park. And so it shows him standing um, on the park, uh, in the park. 
and uh, you know he's got a skin knee, which he really didn't have, and he's got his arm in a sling, which he really didn't have, and he's got a, a black eye, which I don't remember him having. Um, he's missing a tooth, which didn't happen. You got to take artistic liberties here, right? And uh, he's seeing stars. And as this is going on in the picture, he's holding a trophy that names the park and says, um, like, uh, you know, um, uh, such and such park, whatever, you know, tough man competition, first place winner. And because he, I, I don't think I could have gotten through that fight without having to shoot somebody. And, and he had the strength and the stamina and the experience combined with his skill sets to, to fight them to enough of a draw to draw his sidearm and hold them at gunpoint. And I respect that. And, and dealing with those surreal moments because your, your heart races and you've got to patrol that park again. And what happens with this next thing and how do you handle the next call? And people go through very real trauma. I remember when I was 18, I was involved in a, a slide off with like 20 other vehicles we had a flash freeze and it just all of a sudden the entire highway was a skating rink and you're driving this way on dry pavement and then you're just sliding off the road and uh, in my neck of the woods we don't often have guardrails it's sort of like i guess it's how they weed out people that don't have a brain <laughs> i don't know we don't have a lot of guardrails and so this police officer was going to give me a ride and, and he said go ahead and get in my vehicle and as i turned he had a ford explorer and as I turned to get into the vehicle, he shoved me bodily up against the vehicle. And um, I have a little bit of a martial arts background. And instinctively, without, I reacted on instinct. I pushed off the vehicle and I dropped my hands low to propel myself off. And I got ready to throw an elbow. This happened in a split second. And uh, this is like 23, 25 years ago, probably. And I just, I stopped. And it, all of this happened that quickly. And he goes, what the expletive was that? And I said, why did you, why did you shove me into the vehicle? And he stopped and he said, I apologize. I was just in a really bad fight tonight. And, and I didn't realize how, how shook I was from it. At the time, it really bothered me. And now with over 10 years of time beside the badge, I can absolutely understand. I've been in some bad altercations and, and how we put perspective around that can help us be able to diffuse it and let that go. It's always going to be a memory. And, um, you know, I've talked to officers that have had vivid, lucid dreams for, for days or weeks or years after altercations. And I'm, I'm trying something new with some of my officers that have been through something terrible. I'm really trying as their chaplain to find a way to help them. So, uh, you can be my guinea pigs as well. See how this works for you guys. I, I, I turn to them and say, when you have a really powerful dream like that, and I've had a few, I mean, I've been in enough scrapes uh, and situations beside the badge that I've had a few dreams and I've had all the cop dreams where the gun doesn't work and the barrel flies off and the bullet goes and falls about five feet away. And, you know, you, you've had to shoot the guy 57 times because he's the Terminator and he won't stop. I've had all the cop dreams. It's amazing how that works. Um, so I said, I want you guys to, to try something. And that is... Uh, when you wake up from a dream that you have, obviously you've survived whatever it is that that dream was sparked by, I want you to smile and silently in your head uh, so that you don't wake your spouse, uh, say, um, 
yeah, but I won. Now, if you don't have a spouse, they don't happen to be in bed with you, you can say it out loud, uh, but say, yeah, but I won and go back to sleep because you are the victor in that you've come away from it and you've survived. And um, so that's, that's one perspective that I'm trying out with some officers about dealing with severe trauma and things that have happened. Um, next, going back to that, that picture, I had this thing drawn up. I had it professionally printed. I had it framed and I brought it into the department and I gave it to this gentleman and he hung it on the wall. I figured he'd take it home, but he hung it on the wall above his desk. His department was okay with that. And it became a conversation piece. I sent, um, I sent copies of it to a bunch of different people where they could see it, people that uh, within other departments. And we were able to frame that, no pun intended, in a way that, um, in a way that made sense and, and wrap that around the situation that you won, you won that situation. And he had dealt with something like this is a, uh, you know, a baby tiger right out of the, right out of the, uh, away from mama's clutches that has just felled an elephant. I mean, um, what I mean by that is he had done, he had done an amazing job of exhibiting self-control of fighting, of not taking it too far, but but not also just giving in. All of these things and how he handled it and came back from it uh, is very impressive. Now, let's not pretend that there are not lingering thoughts and, and you know, you're going to replay those things, but how do you frame it in perspective? Well, then less than a year later, he ends up in a situation where uh, someone tries to take his life. And he's had a very eventful year in law enforcement. So I saw him and I was visiting with him. He got cleared from the hospital. Um, and uh, this person straight up tried to kill him. And then they fled and he, uh, he defended himself and they decided to, to seek cover. And uh, there was a manhunt and they caught the turkey and the turkey should be headed to prison. Um, when this happened and I was visiting with this officer, I said, you know, one of the things that um, this reminds me of, I said, it reminds me of those Dosakis commercials. And I said, and this is funny coming from a guy who doesn't drink, right? I said, but it reminds me of those Dosakis commercials. He is the most interesting man in the world. And he starts laughing. And I said, you know, I said, I could just see a video where it's talking about you. And it's like, in the last eight months that he's been in law enforcement, you know, he's fought for his life in such and such park and is the current reigning such and such park, you know, tough man champion. And he's already laughing. And, and I share this with a lot of other people, a lot of other officers and, and a few people that are private citizens that are blue family. And I, and I said, you know, uh, he's been in a pursuit that went backwards up the main street in his town and didn't get in trouble for it. He's jumped a state highway, which was involved in a, in a pursuit. Um, and, uh, and at one point he has shot through his own windshield and wasn't written up for it. He is the most interesting police officer in the world. And he's laughing. Perspective is such a powerful thing. And this is a journey. So say a prayer for him. This is a journey that he's going through. He has my deepest respect because he's coming back for more. And his first night back, I can't even begin to tell you the things that happened that they went through. And I'm like, okay, Lord, talk about a baptism of fire. And I, I was having dinner with him and his sergeant that night. And a lot of times I pray and I ask for a boring night for them, which is my way of saying a safe night. And I don't use the Q word that rhymes with 
quiet. I don't say that because, you know, that's a, that's jinxing them. So I don't say that. But what I do say is, you know, you know, Lord God, help them to have a, a safe, boring night. And a lot of times they've got paperwork to catch up on. And they appreciate that. And I didn't feel like I should say that that night. And I, I was just like, all right, Lord, protect them. And they had a wild night where some bad people got taken off the street. And I think it was something that maybe helped him in that moment to go, I've got this, you know, I've, I've still got this. And, and to kind of come back in, uh, almost with a vengeance, you know, he was right there back doing his job and they had more stuff happen to them in that town in one night than they probably do, uh, in a month. So anyway, let's take a quick sponsor break and we'll come back and talk more about perspective. So first off, I am blessed to have three sponsors. Um, first off is John Lee O'Reilly with Gentle Response. I was chatting with him this morning. I'm looking forward to taking one of his classes. He teaches uh, de-escalation par excellence. Mwah! And uh, I love having him as a sponsor. And uh, we were chatting, uh, having our respective cups of coffee in two different states. Mm. Coffee sip break. So... Uh, De-escalation is one of the most powerful things that we can that we can uh, deal with. I remember years ago, with no training, but just the, but just the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, and my wits, a just a behemoth of a man coming up to me drunk at an event and saying, "What would you say if I told you I was going to drag you outside and beat you until you cried like a little girl?" And I looked at him. I wasn't going to go without a fight, but I'm not sure the fight would have mattered. And I looked at this guy. And I said, well, I'd say you could get it done. You could get the job done or something like that. And he laughed, uh, clapped me in the shoulder. I like you. Well, unfortunately, he'd had some really bad things happen to him in life. And he'd been bullied and beaten and things as a child. And we went outside and sat down on the curb and talked for several hours about God. And um, it's just moments like that, that, that de-escalation can be incredibly powerful, being able to deflect things and not take them personally. Uh, can be very, very powerful. So check out Gentle Response, John Lee O'Reilly. This is the real deal. Think about being put under pressure shooting and what that does for you. Hopefully you've done that. Uh, this is de-escalating in the moment under stress and pressure. And it's taught by police officers who've been there and done that. These are seasoned veterans who put you in scenarios that are really going to happen that can really happen to you in life. So whether you're with a corporation or you are with a church, uh, some private small sector you know, uh, business, or you are in law enforcement, you need to check out his stuff. Number two, got your six coffee. Got your six coffee, my friend, Eric Hadley. Got to see him about a week ago, do some video stuff and hang out. Uh, watching them expand, watching uh, more and more coffee go out the door, which means more and more of, you know, firefighters, EMTs, paramedics, police officers, and veterans causes get helped. And these are quality causes. Um, there are some causes out there where not a lot of the money goes to anything. I've talked to people that said, yeah, I, I had this organization contact me and they want to use me as one of their, their people that they're helping. He's like, you know what I got from them after all the pictures and everything? A t-shirt. That's what they did to help me. And, and the guy legitimately needs resources and help. Yeah, that's not how Eric rolls. So when he's helping causes and organizations, they are legit. And I love volunteering with his organization. Matter of fact, somebody commented that they had seen me in some footage uh, for an expo at his booth from uh, about two years ago. And I was and 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 I got a couple pictures from it. It was pretty funny. I didn't even realize that uh, at the time that I had been filmed. Uh, at his booth. So if you are on Facebook, you can actually check those out. 
Um, and then uh, just finishing that up, if you drink coffee, check out Got Your Six Coffee. They're going to be opening up coffee shops uh, slowly but surely across the country. And they're getting closer by the day to getting their first one set up. What? What? Currently, they do e-commerce and they can ship to you. So if you drink it a coffee and you want to change it to lives, check out Got Your Six Coffee. Thirdly, we have Shield Force International, my buddy Matt Combs, and, and powerfully, impactfully, um, he teaches surviving the ambush training. And this has incredible pertinence, especially to my friend who was just attacked. Being vigilant and, and being aware, being don't, not freaked out, but being at a level uh, that you are, uh, back to, to Colonel Cooper's, Colonel Jeff Cooper's uh, color codes, where you are uh, aware of your surroundings and you know that danger could be lurking and I mean, I sat in a restaurant last night and I waited a couple extra minutes. Um, I got there, hit the restroom and um, it's a big rectangular area to sit. And the, the table closest to the emergency exit uh, had, had yet to be bust. It had just been used uh, to eat. And I said, I said, hey, if you don't mind, I said, I, I don't mean to be a problem. I said, but I would love to sit at that table right there by that door, just kind of off to the side. I can read my book. And it was, it was away from a lot of the folks. A lot of times the waitresses want to stack you up on each other. Well, it gives me a, a clear view of the room. And if something really bad happens, I can open that exit and I can get the heck out of Dodge. Now I'm probably... It just depends on the circumstance, what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to run, but it gives me the ability to, it gives me options that I wouldn't otherwise have. And um, I think it was De Niro in the movie, um, oh, what was that movie, Ronin, years ago, that said he never walks into a room he doesn't know how to walk out of. And that's kind of how I try to live. Matt Combs, Shield Force International, surviving the ambush, being aware of things like, what happens if a bunch of you are stacked up in a booth in all your duty gear and it's really going to be hard to draw your weapon you're stacked up in there it has happened where bad guys have come up and executed four police officers in a restaurant and then fled it, it the, the harsh realities of the dangers that law enforcement faces matt combs shield force international check them out and uh, coming back to talking about perspective so uh, being able to wrap our minds around what has happened to us. Um, years ago, my younger stepdaughter had her first breakup. We're talking 15 years old. And as I recall, she broke up with a young man, but her heart was still kind of broken. And it's weird because you you go through that feeling of I, I'm special and different and I'm more than I used to be because I have somebody on my arm. But then you realize this person's not worth having around. And you're like, I got to get rid of this person. And so my wife got a hold of me and she's like, hey, you know, so-and-so had this thing happen. And, and so just kind of tiptoe around her. And, and I said, I really don't feel like that's the way to handle this. And she's like, no, I mean, she's really she's really emotional and she's really upset about it. And please, 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 please do not... Um, you know, don't poke the bear. And I said, I, I really feel like this needs to be handled more directly and, and for perspective purposes. And I said, I, I got this. And so I came home, she's under a fountain of hair and she's sitting on the couch with her back to me and, and I can hear her crying softly. And, you know, it's all new emotions and she wasn't sure what to do with them. And this is part of life. Um, whether someone has just tried to kill you or you've lost a grandparent, um, you know, a, a spouse has left you. All these things are, are new emotions uh, that we've never dealt with before, or they've hit us in a new way, or it's same song, different verse. And you're like, wow, um, chapter two's here. Now I'm dealing with this similar thing. So 
I came in and I had two little candy bars. They were these little thin, little thin candy bars that are, you know, uh, they were very much the, the style at the time. And this young lady, uh, who's now an adult and has a child of her own, is doing very well for herself. Um, I was, um, I came up behind her and I, I was uh, holding the milk chocolate candy bar. And I said, I, I slid it over the side of the couch and she goes, and it was gone. Like she looked, she had her hair over her head, like it from the Adams family, which might date me a little bit as well. And, uh, but she had her hair over the top of her head in this, this cascading fountain of hair. And she went and it was gone. And I was like, you know, I still have, I still have my fingers. And so uh, crinkle, crinkle, nom, nom. And chocolate is definitely known for helping uh, with emotion and uh, certain times of the month and different things like this. It's documented, you know, it's, it's a thing that can help with, uh, with trauma uh, in little bits of trauma or, or just a bad day and uh, can just kind of take a little bit of the edge off. And so not to mention it tastes good and it's sweet, right? And so me not being a big chocolate guy, but I knew that she would love this. And so crinkle, crinkle, nom, nom. And I, I said, you know, this is what you call, you know, oh, I feel better chocolate. And she, you know, giggle, giggle, and then a little bit of, of more tears. And then I, I slid over the other shoulder. I slid the other candy bar, which at the time she was into, um, she really liked the cookies and cream. Now she's moved on to the dark chocolate. So she's moved on up to the top of the rung there, right? But at the time, the, the cookies and cream was her favorite. And so she drops the first candy bar, hand shoots out. I'm, I'm like, yep, still have all my fingers. How she could see out of that fountain of hair, I have no idea. And, um, and back in comes the candy bar, crinkle, crinkle, nom, nom. And I waited a second and I said, and this is what you call, what was that boy's name again, chocolate? And she, this time she genuinely laughed. And I said, hey, I, I want you to know something. And I said that this is a rite of passage. Wear this like a badge of honor. And I know that sounds strange in the moment. And, I, and I, she, you can tell she's like, huh? I said, you are one step closer to being a woman. You've had your heart broken. And I said, this is not going to be the last time it happens. Um, it's, you know, this may be the first, but it definitely will not be the last. And, and that's just reality. As adults, we can look back and go, oh, it's your first breakup. And it's easy to make light of it. But if somebody's never walked that road, uh, and, I, and I think it helped her to put perspective around it. And I gave her a little kiss on top of the head. And my wife was across the room. And I would like to think she was impressed with my dadding skills. But uh, I went on. I've had the same conversation with my son. Um, and I've had the same conversation with other young men uh, over time as they've had their heart broken. Okay, so what that is a way of drawing perspective around something. I'm going 2% shift, looking at the proverbial, you know, compass and going, oh, I'm slightly off course, or this is a better way of looking at this. So bringing that back to law enforcement, and by the way, that, that dadding idea, uh, if you are a parent or an, an aunt or an uncle, at some point or another, you will, you will be in an environment where somebody will have had their heart broken. And it might, especially, I, I mean, a young person, a teenager for the first time. And that, that first breakup is really hard that little idea might be however you paint it, whether there's chocolates involved or not, might be an excellent way of helping somebody frame a situation. Now let's take it into the realm of law enforcement. You have been involved in a bad situation or someone you work with has. Um, they were chasing a bad guy. They tumbled down a hill. They got banged up. They've recovered. They're back on duty. 
and to be able to say, hey, listen, we've all done something like this. This, this has happened. Um, we've got uh, a young man that I have nothing but respect for that turned a corner too closely and bumped something and left a mark on his police vehicle. And that particular corner, whenever I ride with him, I refer to it as his first name and the word pass. And he always shakes his head. <laughs> These things happen. And, um, you know, I, I know of people who've totaled cars. I know of an officer that at the end of a chase, uh, a vehicle pursuit, jumped out of his vehicle and his, his car was so hot. I'm assuming like the catalytic converter, catalytic converter was so hot that it set the grass on fire underneath the car. He had to run back and pull the car away from the fire. These things happen. And it's not like he pulled up and was like, I think I'm going to incinerate my car. These things happen. And um, I, I know an officer that was involved in a pursuit and they were boxing the bad guy in and the bad guy decided to take a very small vehicle and try to ram, uh, like sideswipe a much larger vehicle and pit maneuvered himself into a ditch. Um, nicely done, ding dong. And, uh, but those are, those are situations that happen and being able to put those things in perspective are very, very valuable. How we can frame something and look at it. And, um, and even this officer that most recently was involved in someone trying to murder him, he had great takeaways from it. He's already processing things and looking at it going, I feel like I did all of these things well. And he did. I, I have no critiques for this guy. He had a couple of his own where he's like, you know, I feel like I could have done this and this. And the the one thing that he was talking about was how he had his firearm ready. And I was like, that's good. I like that. That's smart. Being able to frame something and put perspective around it. Maybe you're an officer that's that's seasoned and wizened and, and you're helping with something. I remember a young officer that I was talking to, he was understandably disturbed by something he'd seen. There had been a, a motor vehicle accident and he was running up to it. He was pretty new to the job. I don't think he'd been on the job more than about a year, year and a half. And I could be wrong, but I believe that's about how long he'd been on. And the Academy really does not prepare you for seeing dead bodies. Now he was, he was thinking that he was going to see potentially somebody dead from an MBA, a motor vehicle accident. It was actually a suicide. This person had put a firearm to their chest, fired a single round into their into their chest cavity, um, probably completely obliterating their heart. At that point, the muzzle pressure actually leaving the barrel will do more than just about anything else. Uh, and it blew a permanent wound cavity in his chest. And the guy, the guy had probably been dead before his vehicle finished leaving the roadway. And the guy had chosen to pick a corner where once the bullet went in, and he was probably dead. If he wasn't dead, by the time he got to the bottom of this ravine, he, he would be. And so this young man ran up and found a very nasty mess. And we were talking about that. And I said, scripturally, the, and, and he and I have become quite close over time. He's a great guy. He's now a family man. And uh, But during that time, we've had these great conversations about to be absent from the bodies, to be present with God. The Word of God literally says that um, we don't wander the earth, we don't roam around, we are not a disembodied spirit. The word literally says to be absent from the body is to be present with God. And it says that we are escorted from this life to the presence of God by angels. Um, we don't get lost, we don't wander around. And now that means if I'm trying to help someone 
and they are not dead, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep them alive. But if they are a decedent, if that if if this is no longer a person and it's a dead body, I will treat that body with respect, but it's no longer a human being. Um, it is now it is now an object that I will treat with respect. Um, and that ability to put perspective on something and go, this this is a finger, you know, or or this is a decapitated body or or whatever terrible thing you're dealing with. I've talked to officers that have have been running up to the scenes of wrecks and slipped in bodily fluids that are not supposed to be outside of a human body. These are real things that police officers deal with. Being able to put something in a perspective and say, I, um, this happened. I'm going to, I'm going to conduct myself with honor. Um, this body is not going to come back to life. It's not going to attack me. Um, and not being, in and of our own selves, being at peace with God and not being afraid to die uh, is a very, very powerful thing. I don't mean we're welcoming it. I don't mean we're suicidal. I don't mean we're looking for it. I mean not being afraid to die. So let's go back to go forward just briefly and just make sure that I say this well. Knowing that you are in a right relationship with God. Now, I am a, I'm a Christian. I am a Christian chaplain. Uh, I'm a Bible-believing evangelical Christian, and I believe that that means that I have repented of my sins and I've asked Jesus Christ to, to become my Savior and Lord. I am then saved. So regardless of what happens to me, whenever I die, I know where I go. That's what I, I call my eternal security. I'm not afraid to die. And I know other men and women who are firm believers in Christ on either side of the badge that are not afraid to die. That makes them very, very good at their job. There's a lot of coping mechanisms and things that can be found in that. I'm not afraid to go all in. And I've been in situations before where officers would have been by themselves and looked at me and nodded, and I was with them to have their back. That eternal security is very, very powerful. That is part of the why. That is a really big part of the why of what I do. But going back again is understanding that in that moment we we came to the house to do a wellness checkup um, and there's flies all over the windows or we get almost to the door and we and we smell the fact that this person's passed away or um, I mean I know of a city not far from me where a homeless person had climbed into a dumpster I'm assuming inebriated uh, and fallen asleep and they were crushed when the dumpster was dumped into a um, into a, um, a trash truck, um, talk about a mess. This is now no longer a person, but we will still treat the remains with respect. And being able to frame it like that has helped a lot of police officers that I know to deal with these situations. And I've even talked to morticians um, and the occasional medical examiner that a lot of times they frame things very similarly. And you can tell that you have a healthy outlook and mindset towards these things based on how you do so. Um, contrasted to, I don't mean that a little bit of dark humor is bad, but contrasted with really, really dark humor that disturbs even other police officers around you is a very negative place to be, something to think about. So hopefully I said that well perspective and let's recap quickly perspective helps us put a frame around something and understand it now i'm gonna have to make another picture for this officer i did tease him and i said you know i know you rookies 
Uh, I know you rookies really want to get out there and, and, you know, just check a bunch of things off your list in your first year. But I think, brother, that you need to slow your roll. <laughs> and he laughed. He said, no, I'm good for a good long time. So I love you, buddy. You know who you are. I'm glad that you're okay, and I'm glad you decided to stay with us. Uh, these are these are troubling times, and we need to keep the good ones behind the badge. That's why I do what I do, is to make sure that the, the people that do what you do stay out there taking care of us, because if not for you, we'd be in a world of hurt. So I'm going to pray this episode out. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every man and woman who puts on a uniform every day to protect us, be they a firefighter, an EMT, a paramedic, a police officer, uh, or, or serving in our, our, our armed forces. Lord God, I thank you for them. I ask that you would be with these men and women, that you would God bless and protect them, Lord God, that you would literally bend the bullets around them, that you would cause the bad guy to stumble, Lord God, and that has taken on an even more powerful meaning to me, Lord God, in, in the moment because of what just happened to my friend and the fact that you preserved his life. Um, and Lord God, I thank you for that. And uh, we just give you the honor and the glory for today. I ask that you would help this podcast to reach the ears you want it to reach in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, be safe. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast. 